Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The minority leader in the New York State Senate, Rob Ort. Uh, Senator Ort has recently been to Israel, and we talked about the last week in Israel and his thoughts. Senator, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Uh, you know, the last week we've seen images from overseas in Israel, the war in Israel breaking out, the attacks by Hamas. You recently visited Israel. Uh, what's your perspective after recently being there, seeing what you're seeing? Well, it, it certainly adds um, a much more sobering and maybe personal um, connection. You know, when, when, you're, when you visit a place two months, you know, two months ago, you meet people. I, I, I was actually at one of the kibbutzes uh, on the border with Gaza that was ultimately attacked um, and by Hamas and that saw a, a significant loss of life, um, including the, the loss of, of children and the, 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 children, you know, the, the babies that were found beheaded. So I was at that kibbutz. Um, we were at the Gaza border. We were at the border with Lebanon, with Syria. So, you know, we saw the tenuous security situation, but your heart just goes out to the, to the families, uh, not only the people in Israel, obviously, but there's a lot of, of uh, family members and people who have families here in New York, across New York State, uh, that have family members in Israel, um, and hopefully they've been able to get in touch with them. But and I'm sure in many cases they have not because their loved ones either are in hospital, are being held hostage, or are no longer with us. And so, you know, you think about the people you met, are they okay? Um, but you, again, the, the security situation was very tenuous. Uh, I think I said that in several interviews when I got home. And uh, seeing what I saw on social media, understanding this unprovoked terrorist attack by Hamas, who absolutely is committed, People should understand they, they are they're the elected government in Gaza and they are committed to the to not a two state solution. They're committed to the extinguishing of the Jewish state. That's what Hamas's aims are. So these attacks are not aimed at at reaching a obviously a peaceful two state solution. Uh, they are aimed at killing Israelis, killing Jews, uh, which is their ultimate aim to kill as many Jews as possible and, and remove uh, Israel from the political map, from the map as a state. Uh, and that is why you see Israel responding the way they are. 
um, and, uh, uh, you know, hopefully um, they root out, identify the folks who committed these attacks and, um, uh, you know, find them and kill them, quite frankly, because that's the only solution I think that's going to, uh, it's going to send the proper message and it's going to uh, uh, hopefully try to achieve some level of, of stability for the Israeli people who live on the border with Gaza uh, by sending a clear message that this kind of thing will not be tolerated. You talk about the security that you saw. Was there any discussion that an attack like this was imminent, was in the works? Did Was Israel's guard high when you were there? Was there any discussion of stuff like this? So we, I have to tell you, I was, I was stunned that this was able to be pulled off because when I was there, the sense that I had was that uh, not that an attack couldn't happen, but an attack on this kind of scale where you had people, you know, cut through the fence, uh, when you had terrorists roaming, you know, neighborhoods, Malton, I mean, armed men um, entering kibbutzes, entering homes. That struck me. Now, I think it was so brazen that, and, and Israel over the years has had become so focused, I think, on, on um, rocket attacks and, you know, suicide bombings and sort of the, the lone wolf or the, the rocket, you know, those sort of types of attacks that I think maybe they, you know, maybe in some ways it was so brazen to just try to enter the, the, the country um, with uh, cadres of armed uh, terrorists. Uh, but, I, but I did not get the sense that this was likely to happen. But at the same time, Joe, I think it's important and, and maybe hard to understand if you, if, if for people who have not been there, that you did get the sense that at any point, there's not one, there's not one area that is vulnerable. It's, it's the whole country. You know, you have the, in the north, you have Lebanon, you have Hezbollah, which is a, a, a militia completely funded and backed by Iran. Um, they're right there on the northern border. So at any moment, they could do something. You have Syria, which is a failed state, which has any number of armed uh, terrorist-affiliated uh, groups uh, backed by, by Syria, backed by Russia, backed by Iran. They're there. Uh, and then, obviously, you have the West Bank, um, and then you have Gaza, which is governed by Hamas. So, you know, there was a, there was a sense that, that certainly um, – Israel is, is vulnerable and is always has to be on guard for an attack. Um, but I did not get the sense, and, and I was very surprised when this did happen because I, I really felt that the security measures in place, um, the, 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 the wall, the fence, would have kept um, terrorists like this out. But as we, as we see, um, and as we know from our own security situation in the United States, you know, you, all, you have to be right every day. You have to pitch a shutout, a perfect game. The terrorists only have to be right once. And they get to spend all day trying to figure out your weak points, your vulnerabilities. And um, they certainly figured that out. I'm sure Israel will look into how this happened. Was it an inside job? You know, was there people who were coming in and out of the country uh, that were part of this? My suspicion is yes. Um, and that will happen. I know, I know that will happen, and I know they will get better and smarter going forward. But the truth is, again, they only have to be right once, and that's why at some point you have to send a clear message to the people of Gaza that Hamas is not a that is that, that is not a a, um, a good faith actor. 
um, for long-term security in the Middle East, and you can't exist next to a, 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 a people where that are governed uh, by a group like Hamas. When this, when this, uh, uh, this is what passes for uh, uh, action by Hamas to go in and kill women and children, behead babies, kill innocents in their homes while they're sleeping, kill children in front of their parents. When that passes for whatever that passes for, anyone that thinks that is going to help achieve a two-state solution is dreaming. Um, and uh, uh, there's no question that um, there's going to be a lot more lives lost, I suspect, before we have uh, a solution to this conflict. What do you think the United States role should be in this? So I, one thing I know for, for, for sure is that Israel, they are an ally of ours that does not, they do not need the United States at this point, I believe, militarily. In other words, they have a very strong military. Uh, the IDF is, is, I think, one of the best militaries, best trained in the world. Um, everyone in Israel or most everyone, not everyone, but all, most of their population serves in the military. So when they're calling up reservists, when they're, they're, their population, by and large, has all had military training, weapons training. Uh, and so, um, so I think right now our, our interest is to support Israel unequivocally, whether that means intelligence, whether that means weapons, whether that means uh, uh, you know, diplomatic support. I think we also have to send a signal to others, Iran or others, that you should do not get involved. Do not uh, uh, help spread this conflict. Do not try to put your finger on the scale. Uh, because I think the United States and our interest is to keep this uh, conflict limited to Israel and the Israeli Defense Forces and Hamas. Because, uh, first of all, we know who's going to win that. It's going to be the Israeli Defense Forces, um, and we should absolutely support them. Uh, but I think we should also, um, and we can do this through different ways, diplomatic channels. We can do this by sending, you know, carriers in the region to to make it known to others that the United States is not going to tolerate uh, an escalation of this conflict by other actors. And the reason we're not is because I don't believe that's in our national interest. I certainly don't believe that's in the Israeli national interest for this to be escalated, for this to become a multi-front conflict at this point. Um, and so we have an obligation both, I think, to our ally in the region and to the American people that this does not escalate uh, where it becomes a more global conflict. Um, and so I have no doubt CIA assets, intelligence assets, maybe even uh, some special forces assets will be there on the ground. There are Americans, I believe, that are being held hostage or are, are, are over there. We do have an obligation to those American citizens, um, um, you know, to the extent we can. But I think our, our role needs to be measured and needs to be uh, focused on keeping this from spreading into a larger conflict. Israel can handle Hamas, as you're seeing from the nightly news reports, and they will handle Hamas, and they have every right to handle Hamas. I think our focus should be to keep it, and I think it's in Israel's interest as well, to not have this grow into a wider conflict that brings in, brings in other actors, uh, whether it be Russia, Iran, or other terrorists, Hezbollah, or whoever, because I think that just makes that, that more complicated and, and more loss of life, and that could draw us into it. And, and I just don't know that uh, 
that uh, the, I don't know where the American people are on that right now after two long wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, and I certainly don't know that, in my own view, that we have the right leadership to lead us in a war. I do not believe the commander-in-chief at this time is the commander-in-chief uh, that we need in an actual conflict. And so I think it's in our interest to keep this from spreading uh, beyond Israel versus uh, Hamas. When you were there, was this conflict, because this conflict's been going on for many of our lifetimes, um, was this conflict sure. discussed and, you know, seeing it play out, can you explain to the listeners, you know, the, the players that are here, we hear of Hamas, we hear, you know, of Libya, we hear of Hezbollah, uh, the, the players and why there is this extreme hatred that we are seeing play out? Sure. Well, to, to the extent I can, obviously we, we might need a whole uh, week program to your point, this has been on for a long time. But this really centers on you have um, you, Hezbollah is a, a, a Lebanese militia, they're, they're a, but they're a real army. I mean, they're, they're funded, trained, equipped, and backed by Iran. Um, Iran probably has assisted Hamas as well. Um, and both Hamas, Hezbollah, and Iran – and Iran, I think, is the key point of this. They are committed to Israel being gone. They sit in a one-state solution. And so they back and train Iran's foreign policy for many, many years has been to equip and train terrorist organizations. They did it when we were in Afghanistan. They did it when we were in Iraq. Um, and beyond Israel, Iran, uh, they're... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Main rival in the region that is of the, um, and they 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 are different forms of Islam, Shia versus Sunni, and Israel recently under the Abraham Accords signed by President Trump, as well as since he's left office, they had been working on a rapprochement and on stronger relations with Saudi Arabia, uh, because I think Israel understands that they need allies in the region and they need allies from the Arab world. And Saudi Arabia being the most maybe significant. And Saudi Arabia and Iran are not allies. They are, they are Muslim. They are, uh, one is Persian, one is Arab, but they are not allies. And I really believe that, Saudi, uh, that, that Iran worked with Hamas, and if this move was made when it was, when it was done, because they saw a threat in Israel and Saudi Arabia uh, having closer ties and a closer relationship. 
Um, they do not want a closer relationship with any Arab nation in Israel because their stated goal, Iran's, is the elimination of Israel and the Jewish people from, from the map. And so, and Hezbollah has stated this, Iran has stated this, and that's really, I think, what is the genesis of this conflict at this time. This is not about land. This, this attack was not about land. Um, it's not about, uh, you know, some, you know, debate over, over who has what territory. This is, this is about the Jewish state's right to exist, and it was about a long-term play that Israel was making with Saudi Arabia, and that Iran sees that is, uh, that does not fit their, their interests, uh, that does not fit their stated goals, and there's no question that Hamas, I believe, went forward with this attack um, with the backing of somebody, and I believe it was with the backing or the coordination of Iran. The Wall Street Journal has reported as much, and other people have reported as much. Of course, Iran denies it because they're cowards, um, but there's no question, I think, that that is who is really stirring the pot here, and that's why there's a danger, in my view, this, is, this could become a larger conflict. Uh, Iran also is allies with Russia, um, and obviously Israel is allied with us. And so we, you know, it's in our interest to make sure that this is, is limited, because if it's limited to Gaza and it's Hamas versus the Israeli Defense Forces, my money's on the Israeli Defense Forces all day long, um, and they will do what they need to do to protect the Jewish people. But I think that is what, where this conflict, this latest clash, if you would, uh, comes from. But it's a longstanding um, issue or, or longstanding divide between Iran and nation of Israel. We saw that this was a breakdown at the border, uh, the border wall in Israel. Uh, here in the United States of America, we have thousands of people coming over the border every day. We're not sure who they are. Does this put a, a, another emphasis on our border situation here in the United States of America? I, I, I really would hope that we don't need... Um, I, I get the point of your question, Joe. I, my, my answer is sort of, I guess, dismay that we would ever need to see, you know, families murdered, children beheaded for us to sort of go, you know what, maybe we should look at our own border. Uh, like, if that's what it takes, then maybe it's just too far gone. I, 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 I'd like to think not. I, I've been talking about the border for years. I know many other people on your program have, your program has. Um, and I think rational people understand you have to have a secure border open borders means no border. No border means no country. Um, and, and obviously what we're talking about is security. We're not talking about, you know, uh, we're talking about securing our southern states and our country. Um, we are a target, just as Israel is. We are too. We live in a post 9-11 world. I know it happened a long time ago for some people, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And I'll never forget the lessons, which are that, that the same people that, that did this in Israel, those people you know, hate us as well. Uh, Hamas hates America as well. Hezbollah is no fan of America. Uh, Al-Qaeda, you know, ISIS. These people would kill Americans gladly if they could. And we have a porous border. People are pouring in. We don't know. We don't know who's here now. Um, and while, yes, there are a lot of people who come across looking for a better life, there are plenty of people who could come across who are not looking for a better life. They're looking for an opportunity. And um, uh, when we have global conflicts like this, we become even more of a target if that's possible. 
but it's it's almost satirical, right? The other day, Mayorkas and President Biden, Secretary Mayorkas, actually come out and said we're gonna we're gonna start reconstructing the border wall. I mean, this was literally the signature uh, uh, proposal by President Trump, and it was the signature attack by Democrats to go after the border wall. We shouldn't be putting up walls. And here we are three years later where they're basically acknowledging that President Trump was right. We need a wall. We need a secure border. And, and so, it, it, you know, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes you read the news and you think you're reading The Onion or Satire because, it, it, you know, it, it's almost I can't believe they could say it with a straight face, um, meaning Mayorkas and, and President Biden. But I think it's a it's a recognition that we need a secure border. It's way too late. Not that it's too late to do it. But where have they been for the past three years as tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands have poured across the border, um, flooding, obviously, even New York State. Uh, as we know, with this uh, illegal migrant crisis. So I, 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 I th- I'm sure it refocuses some people's minds on our own porous border. But man, am I disappointed that it takes Israeli civilians being executed and killed and their children beheaded for people to, to think, you know what, maybe we should also make sure our border is secure. If that's what it takes after, after 9-11, if that's what it takes 20 years later, and that's that's really a sad testament um, to our attention span as Americans. I completely agree. And, you know, there's not many things I remember as vividly from middle school as that day, 9-11. And it it surprises me how many people 22 years later think that we're untouchable, completely forget what happened just two decades ago. Cor- correct. Yeah, I, I, I'm a 9-11 kid. I was I ran out of college. I was 22. It's the reason I joined the military. Uh, and it has absolutely colored my worldview and my life in a lot of ways. And, and it's just something that I, I'll never forget. Um, I realize we have generations of people today who are very young or not born. And, and I, I recognize that. But that's why we do the, you know, when, when I speak at 9-11 memorials, we say never forget. Yeah, we should never forget the, the, the folks who died. And yes, we should never forget the heroes who ran into those buildings and saved people. But we also can't forget the lesson. Of, of what happened, that, that, that we are not untouchable, that we live in a, a, a smaller world where there's very, very dangerous actors. And what happens in the Middle East and what happens in the mountains of Afghanistan, it matters. And it matters to people on the streets of New York, and it should matter to the people on the streets of Buffalo and everywhere in between. And so, um, you know, we should have secured our border a long time ago to me, the acknowledgement by this administration that we had to restart rebuilding the wall is an acknowledgement of the failure of their own policy, the failure of their politics when it comes to the border. And, and, and it's the ultimate affirmation uh, of President Trump's signature campaign issue and, and policy issue, which was securing the southern border. Senator, I know I've taken you a while. I've got two state questions for you, um, if that's all right, starting with yeah. uh, this proposed 62 percent increase by NYSEG. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, uh, as, as I, I also pay uh, my, my electric bills, as, as my constituents do, and when I see something like that, um, it, it, it's almost shocking. I mean, 62%. Now, obviously, that's over the course of, of, of several years, but uh, at a time when New Yorkers are struggling with everything, you know, as far as paying for gas, groceries, childcare, uh, home prices, taxes, 
um, now we're gonna we're gonna increase their 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 ability to to, to heat in their home. And, and remember, um, this is happening at a time and on the heels of all these climate energy policies that are happening out of Albany. And so when people wonder, you know, well, what is the impact on me when you hear about the the, the uh, Climate Leadership and Protection Act or the All Electric Buildings Act? This is the impact. The, 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 the infrastructure is not there. The technology is not there. And so what part of what is these increases are is the utilities are going to have to make massive investments in new technologies, in new delivery systems, and in the grid so they can handle all the new customers who will not be able to use natural gas because they all have to go all electric and all the new buildings that are built to be all electric. They have to invest in that. And who pays for that? You and I do. Um, we're not going to get better electricity. We might not even get as reliable electricity in the short term, but you're going to get more expensive electricity. And so um, I understand, I, I don't completely fault, although I'm not thrilled with the increase. I, I think a lot of this rests at the feet of lawmakers. And I certainly think the PSC, before they make any approval or consider any of these increases, there need to be public hearings uh, and a real robust discussion before you increase people's bills 62%. I guess a follow-up to that is, you know, this is also at a time where, what, what are we, eight years, seven years away from um, no more ga- natural gas in homes that, you know, have been built after a certain date. Uh, we want to get gas cars off the uh, off the streets. Uh, I mean, this can't be too good for the governor's plan uh, coming up here in eight years. You're already seeing people in New York City. New York City, of course, it has their own regulations around a lot of this stuff. Their council members who push this are already starting to back away. And why? Because their tenants are getting the bill. Because at the end of the day, look at We all want a clean, a, a, a better planet for us, for future generations. We all want that. There's, no one campaigns uh, on, a, on a dirtier planet or on ending the planet. But you have to have achievable goals that people can afford. It has to be affordable. And they've never been able to, meaning my colleagues in the Democratic Conference have never been willing to put a finger and put a number to the cost of these things. Because you know why? Because they're going to say, well, it's, you're going to get the bill from National Grid. You're going to get the bill from NYSEG. You're going to get the bill. So it's not going to be New York State sending the bill. It's going to be a utility. And who are you going to blame? You're going to blame the utility. Um, and I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not here to carry the water for utilities. But there's no question that the, the cost of this is going to be a shock to New Yorkers. It's going to drive New Yorkers out of here. It's going to drive New York businesses. I mean, we're talking about residents. What about New York businesses who are high energy users? They're going to get a bigger bill uh, significantly, and that's going to result in someone losing their job or less people being hired. I I mean, the money has to come from somewhere. I think these are unrealistic goals that aren't even achievable. At the same time, we're asking people to pay significantly more. So, you know, working parents, working mothers, business owners uh, to pay more at a time when they're paying more for everything else. Uh, We're making New York state less affordable and we should be doing the exact opposite. Um, uh, And so I, I, again, I, I, it was a shock to me when I saw the number and I'm, I'm hoping at the very minimum there needs to be public hearings because I think if there are public hearings, uh, uh, the, the, the public service commission will have no choice, but to reject these kinds of increases or at the very least go back to the drawing board on some of these climate laws uh, and, and change those or reject those, because uh, to your point, uh, this is not going to be good for the governor's plan, for the governor's proposal, for the legislature's proposals. 
um, and you're going to just drive more people into poverty and out of the state of New York. Final question, uh, legislation aimed at protecting kids on social media, including uh, algorithms. Your thoughts on what, what is this bill and your thoughts on it? So I just I just read about this bill um, this week, you know, uh, in my morning clips. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to know more about it, you know, uh, before I maybe say how I would vote. I will say this. Uh, and I'm not, you know, I think most of your listeners, I hope, no, I'm not in the habit too often of, of agreeing with uh, some of the more radical policies that come out of Albany. But I also have, have my concerns about social media. Uh, they're not just limited to this. They're limited to a, a, a much wider range of topics. Um, but I think anything that protects kids um, from social media, you know, kids whose brains are not fully formed. I mean, look at what we're really saying sometimes is. We're stepping in for parents who probably aren't doing their job fully. But at the end of the day, I think it's also a lot harder for parents today because if your kid has a phone, if your kid has a computer, it's just very difficult to intercept and control what they're seeing and what they're doing. Uh, in some cases, the kids are more advanced on these, on these platforms than their parents are. There's probably kids on platforms that I'd never even heard of, um, at, you know, at, 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 at 44 years old. So, um, so I think at any time that I, I'm, I'm interested when we're talking about limiting the influence of social media um, uh, and having information on your kids and, and, and making your job as a parent harder. Uh, so I'm all for that, especially when you see some of the stuff that comes off social media. I mean, there's some really twisted, weird things that come out of TikTok uh, and, and Instagram and things like that. So I'm, all, I, I'm, I'm very open to that idea, but I'd have to at least look at the legislation and some of the finer print uh, before I could say whether this bill fully does that but i think the topic is not going to go away you're going to see more legislation hopefully in this realm uh, about protecting kids and 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 you know maybe reining in uh the mark zuckerbergs and and the social media giants of the world it's not the day when you could just pick up the phone and see if someone was online that's right that's right yeah as my mom often did and i would be booted from aol and i'd have to re-sign on as i'm sure you did and other people did but uh but yeah no it's a it's a it's a different world out there and it's a, it's a very scary world for parents and so i think that's that's why we're having this kind of conversation is there anything that i didn't bring up that's not getting attention uh going on in albany that you think needs a little more attention just one thing that you know we, we did a press conference this past week um uh at Escarpment Arms in Niagara County. Uh, they're a, uh, a, a licensed uh, firearms dealer, uh, ammunition dealer. Uh, the, the, the ammunition database, which has been instituted recently, was part of the governor's uh, concealed uh, carry uh, and improvement act. Uh, it, it's been an unmitigated disaster. I mean, you can talk to anybody. It's been an unmitigated disaster from the business owners to gun, to gun owners, obviously. Um, it's, People have been denied ammunition purchases uh, incorrectly. They have had significant delays to, to purchase, you know, buckshot so they can go hunting um, or, or, or obviously get ammunition to protect them and their families. Um, it's just a complete disaster. Even Governor Cuomo, who was no friend of the Second Amendment, didn't institute this because he knew the technology wasn't really there. People are forced to put up their private credit card information personal information their social security information uh so the state police can put all this in a database why 
why do, do we really think that that drug dealers and gangbangers and people who are killing people in the streets are going and purchasing legal ammunition from Johnson's Country Store or Escarpment Arms or or, or anywhere else uh, across Western New York? The answer is obviously not. Obviously not. This has nothing to do with keeping people safer. It doesn't keep people safer. It adds yet another burden onto the state police. Um, it, it's more intrusive than the federal background system when you go and purchase a firearm. Um, and so, you know, it's, we're calling on the governor uh, to, to just, you know, stop this uh, incursion and infringement on people's Second Amendment rights. Stop making it harder to purchase ammunition to go hunting and protect your family and focus on locking up actual criminals and people who commit crimes with firearms. That was the message this week. Um, and, and we're going to our conference. And I know even even some Democrats, believe it or not, um, are voicing real concerns over this. So hopefully the governor will listen. I'm not going to necessarily hold my breath, but we're going to keep up uh, uh, the pressure and keep this conversation alive because it has been an unmitigated disaster, Joe. What kind of delays are we seeing for customers uh, with this with these new regulations? It, it can be hours or days. I mean, a lot of times you're going to purchase ammunition on your way to go hunting. So even hours, you know, can be a real issue. It can be days. I've heard of customers who have been denied an ammunition purchase you know, uh, incorrectly, you know, faulty declinations um, because either the information gets misconstrued or, or they can't find something or they, you know, they think he's the wrong Joe Smith or whatever it might be. Um, in a lot of cases, I know some uh, 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 businesses, they actually are paying the credit, the, the, the charge. So they're putting it on their credit card. And then the owner, the, the, uh, the purchaser is, is reimbursing the business uh, at the point of sale, because otherwise, many people would say, "I'm not, I'm not going to give the state and the attorney general and the the uh, the New York State Police my c- credit card information or my social security information. And why do they need to know my sexual orientation as I'm purchasing ammunition? I mean, these things are ridiculous. It, it, it is such a joke that this passes. Anyone that thinks this keeps you safer, I, you're just not on the same plane of reality as, as I am, uh, and as a lot of people are. So it, 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 is a, it is a joke. You're not making anybody safer. All you're doing is causing uh, businesses more challenges. You're causing gun owners more challenges, legal law-abiding gun owners more challenges. If you're going in to buy ammunition uh, to go hunting or for your shotgun at home or your, your, uh, you know, your Glock uh, you know, pistol, I can promise you you're, you're doing that because you're a law-abiding gun owner who is simply following the law and you want ammunition to go to the range, to go, to the, to go hunting, uh, to protect your family, protect your home, uh, or you know, to, to to shoot a deer so you can have some venison. Uh, you're not you're not you're not doing that because you're you're going to go out uh, and and shoot up a place um, uh, that day or that night. Most uh, gun crimes that we know are being committed are by illegal firearms, and I can promise you, if the firearm is illegal, so is the ammunition. We will keep our eyes on that, State Senator Rob Ort. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks, Joe. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.